Welcome to The Production Line with Tom PK. I'm your host and today is episode number 10 and I'm going to be chatting with producer, songwriter, artist, Noima Taho. Noima does a bit of everything. He's a studio manager now, a teacher, band leader, much more. And you'll know him for his works with the likes of Paige, Elena, Never Known and Reed. Today I'm going to chat with Noima a bit about his production, how he got to where he is today and get the inside scoop on the new Big Fan Studios. Finally, we're going to have a look into one of his favourite sessions. I hope you'll enjoy. Yo. Hello. Hey man, how you going? Good man, can you hear me all good? Yeah, that, that sounds all fine with me. How about your end? Yeah bro, all good with me. So, well firstly, thank you for coming on. It's really awesome to have you here for number 10. Number 10, yeah. <laughs> I know, Thanks bro. I oh my gosh, I mean, let's get right into it. So, just for you, where did music start? Um... Oh man, so when did music start? I guess um probably when like my passion for music was probably when I was a kid, like in primary school, intermediate kind of thing. Um not that I really played music then, but I just I don't know, I was I was so hooked on um music from the nineties, particularly pop when I was a kid, because it was like, you know, Backstreet Boys and all all the Max Martin stuff, which I'll sure I'll talk <laughs> about later. But um yeah totally hooked on that and i would just like sit in my room with a cd player like a little portable one that i plug into the wall and then just listen to a whole bunch of pop albums that my grandmother bought <laughs> and then um yeah i just have that on repeat weirdly like analyzing the music not that i knew that that's what i was doing at that stage and then um i guess eventually picked up guitar hated it at first i couldn't stand playing guitar do you play guitar I, a, a bit kind of averagely yeah. you know how it just like there's all that muscle like um memory stuff at the start and you're like really flexing your fingers and it's it's not a very fun instrument to play no. at first it's really <laughs> tricky it's really tricky to get into instruments in general i think yeah yeah and so I, I hated guitar at first i couldn't stand it and now i'm like primarily a guitarist yeah um and I just remember seeing other kids, this was an intermediate, and they would be like really good at guitar. And I was like, you know, fuck that. Like, <laughs> just getting really jealous and stuff. Um, and then I guess eventually, like, learned a few licks. And then I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, just the token. Like, I'll play it, see if you can hear it. Like, uh, yeah. the token, like, blues licks. Like, like I just learned things like that. Um, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then realizing I could kind of do my own stuff with that. And, yeah, it just annoyed the hell out of my um my family really by just playing crappy licks like all day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time we've had a musical demonstration on the podcast. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, got to be a first for something for me, I think. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll pick up the guitar more as we go through all this. That'd um, be great. But yeah, just I guess yeah, fell in love with guitar like first, um, and also like like I loved singing, but like. And I still am a terrible singer, but I just kind of, I just kind of love it. Like, um, and I love songwriting and I, I, I really liked all that stuff in say high school, but I was never, I never really thought I could do it without being a singer. Like I always just kind of wanted to be a guitarist and kind of stand back behind people. And, um, but I love the idea of composing and, um, songwriting, but I never really did it until I guess I was in university and kind of encouraged to do it in the, late 2000s when i was kind of going from high school to uni and then early 2010s 
I don't know. There was this kind of maybe maybe it was just in my friend group thing. Like it was this weird masculinity thing with music and um you know if you wanted to be a dude you you were playing the heavy stuff or you know rock and all that stuff and then eventually like as i talked to my friends who were also in like middle bands with me kind of saw their love for pop music and i was like oh okay we can like pop music <laughs> like, yeah there's definitely such a stigma in in certain places against you know pop music it's yeah. really interesting yeah it's it's quite strange and i think um I, when you discover the craft behind what goes into like the hits and um all of that stuff um it can become quite um an addictive path <laughs> you know <laughs> like when you're learning about all the techniques that are going that's going on through pops pop songs and all the decision making processes and all that stuff it's it's actually a lot <laughs> that goes into it and and um that really captivated me and kind of reignited my love for pop music that I had as a kid and uh, yeah, I guess at university when I kind of discovered that Max Martin was responsible for my whole life. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wanted to bring up Max Martin because he's such an influential producer. Could you talk a bit about how he's been important to you? I guess um, I- I've just always been fascinated in his longevity, particularly, and how he's made that work. Because, um, and I-, I guess it's becoming more of a thing now. Um, but like, kind of most producers at that time were like, they'd be like kind of just in an era and be kind of um, smashing it in that one era. And then he was kind of that first person that I noticed that kind of just did it for decades and is still doing it. And it's, it's absolutely insane. And um, I I love his, um, I guess the flow of energy that he has over time in his production. Like, you know, he's always kind of subtly um, kind of raising the energy as as the songs progress to keep your like ear engaged and um kind of was fascinated by how that works and and, and all his writing techniques and production techniques and yeah fascinated i haven't really dived deep into any max Mann stuff in a while but um yeah huge influence on um i don't know my fascination with pop music and yeah yeah have you ever read um the song machine by john seabrook no, I haven't. Oh man, if you if you're into like the Swedish pop stuff and even like when Max went to um say like LA and stuff and um yeah, if you're if you're into that kind of stuff, it's a really cool book. It's yeah. Yeah. Um talks about uh Max and Dennis Pop and kind of where they started with Sharon and then moving forward to LA and stuff and yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's like a documentary but in book form and then if you play the music just after you read certain sections it's it's pretty cool yeah well that might be our first book recommendation on the podcast as well <laughs> i it's like i'm not much of a reader it's kind of the only book i've ever fully read because <laughs> <laughs> like, just max martin fanboy yeah but, that um, sounds cool yeah it's it's a good one if, if you're into that stuff what what would you say in your mind is like the key to longevity in a music career Oh man, I I have no idea. Like, <laughs> well, it's a I hard guess, one. I guess the first thing, and um, I kind of talked to um Joel about this um a bit, and it's just like, you know, like why I think realizing why you're doing music first, like, and you know, like, like for me, and what well, when I was I was actually lecturing at Mainz for a bit, and I would kind of talk mm-hmm. to my students about this is like, you know, music's not exactly like a an easy path or like the most financially secure path or anything like that. So 
you kind of have to do it because you love doing music and it's just kind of the thing that you do <laughs> you know yeah. like um like you know you, you got to be passionate about it and and i think that's where longevity comes in like you're doing it for the right reasons like you just you can't do anything else but music like i feel like that that's the key what well, one of one of the keys to longevity but also a bit of um i know um self-analysis and like i felt like producers we're our own worst critic at times <laughs> you know we know our weaknesses better than anyone else knows our weaknesses yeah. i feel um so being aware of that and and kind of learning how to grow through that staying open-minded i think yeah. in theory that's my theory on it <laughs> yeah yeah so you mentioned that you lectured for a while at mains what was that whole experience like yeah it was cool um so after i graduated at mains in 2015 um i was like desperate for a job and i i wasn't applying for music jobs i was just like trying to get like bar work anything i could yeah. and then no one would hire me because i just had this music degree <laughs> and then like, same they, yeah they could pretty much sense that i didn't want to be there um so i think in december or january of 2016 i i um approached my tutors and be like oh, hey man like do you guys need a mentor or anything and um they got back to me and like oh actually um one of the guitar tutors just left and um one of the tutors who was um, doing production at level four, he's moved on to some other courses like lecturing there now. So kind of like the spaces that I was focusing on, like yeah. um, just opened up and I was so lucky that that did. And then, um, yeah, it was an incredible experience like lecturing. Um, I'd highly recommend it to people. Um, uh, I mean, if, if you're lucky enough to get that, um, but it pays really, really good. So I was only mm. working like 20 hours a week and that was enough to kind of sustain, um, well, enough to survive really. And then yeah. I could do the rest of my time during the week, um, focusing on kind of my own personal ambitions. Yeah. But, but lecturing is great because you're constantly practicing, um, your skills and your, because you have to teach it essentially you, you're, yeah, constantly brushing up on knowledge because you don't want to, you know, be a bad lecturer like you know <laughs> like you're hoping to do a good job and to really help some people yeah. um so yeah that was one of one of the benefits I, i'd say the other benefit with um me doing production was that you have insight into like a lot of young talent coming through mm. so that's where i met um people like Paige. like so Paige was like oh okay she was actually one of my very first students when, the first year i started lecturing there she was a student of mine that's how i kind of got to know her and um yeah, you kind of get a sense of not only who's got kind of that that talent, that raw talent, but also you get a sense of who's hardworking and what kind of people they are, which I feel like uh, like two very important things for when I work with people. Is like, are you, are you a good person? Like, I don't want to work with a dick. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, we can all be a dick sometimes, but you know, like, I kind of, you get you get to see their values, and then um, yeah, so that's one thing I'm gonna miss from lecturing at mains actually is seeing all that talent come through and then being able to like either assist them on their stuff or yeah all that yeah stuff. how long were you working there is that a recent recently finished yeah so um i was lecturing there for six years um doing production guitar music theory like kind of a bit of everything band performances um because i had done my degree there i kind of 
you a bit of everything. Um, so yeah, just left um, at the start of this year, which was was what? Yeah, two thousand twenty-two. Um, to come work at Big Fan, pretty much. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, Big Fan. Well, well, could we talk a bit about Big Fan and the whole idea behind it? Yeah. So, um, it's this super cool thing and you you were here last week right yeah it was really cool yeah so it's it's um joel little well joel and his wife actually joel and Gemma little's um i guess way of giving back to the industry and community that did so much for them it's kind of i think how he how he likes to put it so um if you don't know who joel little is uh he's a incredible music producer he, i think he was like top 10 in the billboard producers for i the saw last i saw that i was it's like actually, whoa yeah it's kind of ridiculous how huge he is and he's so chill and low-key but um yeah he kind of puts it as this is his way of giving back so um the facilities here we're located in morningside auckland and there's uh three recording studios here plus his own personal studio here um and then we've got a music venue here as well and it's all run under his non-for-profit charity um called the little fan found the little family foundation but the building's called big fan and all the things we're hoping to do with big fan is under that um and yeah we're, we're hoping to um what i think joel's kind of vision is to make everything that he uses accessible to those who would normally not get to access that stuff like um so yeah just like high quality equipment the exact same stuff he uses in all our studios but for like well we're hoping well we've got some some initiatives planned which we which will announce soon to like <laughs> do a whole bunch of free um studio time things and exciting um, but even like our normal rates here for studio hire are like crazy low for what you get. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be interesting. We're all pretty new to it. Like Joel, like Joel's new to it. I'm new to it. Um, our general manager Savina's new to it. But um, they're all really incredible people. Like, um, yeah, I, we feel like all our values kind of align with, um, you know, trying to help people and kind of nurture um, the music and in our yeah local industry. Yeah, amazing. It is such a nice facility. Yeah, it's not bad, eh? Like it's 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 definitely an upgrade from what I usually <laughs> use. <laughs> Even just like the the kind of lounge area with like the sofas and stuff, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to keep it um he didn't want to make it intimidating because because recording studios um can be a bit overwhelming when you're kind of new to it. So uh, I'll well, actually, kind of my personal goal for all the studios, because I've been setting them up, is to make it like as easy to use as possible with what we got. Like, um, hoping that anyone who has kind of the basic DAW skills or whatever can come in and just plug their laptop in or use our big fan computers and should be able to record. But we'll have we'll also have people on site to help out and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, and could you talk a bit about how you got involved in it? Yeah, yeah, quite. A strange story. <laughs> it's a little long. Um, I kind of, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of heard inklings of what Joel was doing here, but it kind of like just slipped to the back of my mind. Like I kind of just forgot about it. Um, and then I get this um, DM 
from out of nowhere um, from Savina Fountain, who's Big Fan's general manager and is Josh Fountain's partner. And we all know like how well Josh is doing and kind of the music industry at the moment. But actually Savina is like the same kind of in her area. Like she's just killing it, man. And then I I knew, I think I had met her briefly once, but she, yeah, randomly messages me on Instagram and just asks for a, just a quick chat on um, a mentoring program. She was um, hoping to run called Ignite. Well, she, she had run it before, um, but she was going to run it again. And she told me that's what this catch up was for and just wanted to hear my thoughts and (laughs) um, have me as a potential mentor. And, and she knew about me through Josh Fountain. um, Cause I had, um kind of introduced page to josh fountain and oh, okay yeah so i knew josh and josh kind of knew me and kind of what i was doing at mains and all the other stuff i was doing production and live stuff as well mm. and then yeah just had a chat with savina about the signite mentoring program and she, the whole time she was actually just trying to scope me out and just kind of <laughs> yeah see what i was about and like i had no idea what it was really for until i think a week or two later um yeah i randomly get this follow from joel little on my instagram and i was like what the whoa fuck? are you like <laughs> what, what the fuck like I, I like i teach my students about this guy um it's pretty cool yeah i was buzzing oh no it was his wife it was Gemma first and i was like whoa that's weird and then it was joel <laughs> i was like oh that's really weird and then um savina asked me for another um zoom meeting and then tells me what it was really about and i was like oh shit <laughs> oh god damn um yeah she yeah told me about all the joel little stuff and then eventually had a zoom with joel and Gemma as well and just so they can kind of get a feel for me and kind of what my values were and all that stuff um and then yeah then i'm coming in in january of this year and helping with all the acoustic testing and trying to be involved from the ground up as much as i can so i guess my role here is it's eventually going to be well it's it's kind of like the studio manager venue rep it's but i i just think of it as it's kind of everything (laughs) (laughs) and just i'm just trying to be as helpful as i can and and know as much as i can about the place so if anything uh, if there's any issues with anything hopefully i can solve it oh cool and you mentioned meeting Paige um through your Mm. teaching could you talk about bit about how that relationship came together yeah so um i think yeah kind of right away like i saw Paige and like seen her perform and kind of her writing and even arrangement skills like she was always like really really good um terrible student though like she would never show <laughs> up <laughs> and she admits this all the time we, we crack up about it nah. but um she kind of didn't need to be at mains you know, like like I, I have a love hate thing with tertiary. Like I think it's the best thing, and I think it's a waste of time. And it's like, the exact same time. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I love everyone at tertiary and all that stuff, but yeah, it's just kind of how I feel about it. Um, but yeah, so Paige, um, yeah, so she she just kind of reached out to me actually, um, just asking for some help with like an EP she was just doing at home. Like it was just this acoustic thing, and I helped her out for that um, for a little bit, and then um was that with the writing or like production more um i think for that thing it was she just wanted me to help her mix her songs or something like that and i'm a terrible mixer (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i was just kind of helping her out and then eventually she asked me um to help her work on waves um 
because she yeah and i was such a fan of that song i was like oh my god that's incredible so i helped her out with like for a little bit with that and a couple we were just writing a few things and um yeah helped her helped her do some of her early stuff um kind of when the whole i don't know if you know much about the billy eilish thing in page like when um kind of what's the story there so um this i don't know how big billy was at that point but she discovered pages like um some of her acoustic videos on instagram or something and then just kind of blew page up on on billy's instagram on her own instagram and shit all over her page and stories and stuff that's so crazy and that got a lot of like attention from labels and um mm. some overseas opportunities and stuff and um yeah i was kind of helping her through that whole process and just kind of being a friend more than anything yeah um and then um yeah i think she, yeah she eventually signed with sony because of that and um and i was like oh man now that you were sony he's like you should work with josh fountain like like and, and i'm a producer as well but i was like i'm such a josh fountain fan um because <laughs> I, I was a big fan of his matthew young stuff and um kind of everything he was doing um yeah and this was like kind of pre-benny actually um I was like, oh, you got to work with Josh. You'll, you know, I reckon some cool stuff will come out from that. And, um, yeah, kind of helped facilitate that. Now, now I mostly just, um, I'm like her live music director. So I'll, I'll run all the tracks and play for her and kind of help with the arrangement and the band stuff. And yeah, that's fun as well. And I think that kind of helped with my position here at Big Fan as well, because we got the venue as well. So being able to know my way around that. It's going to be quite handy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So last year you started your own solo project. How did you uh, find yeah. your own like world of sound that you wanted to do for yourself? Um. Yeah. Well, I guess like it. Oh, you've got your own solo stuff as well, so you'd kind of know this. Um, that like you know when you're producing with others, it's it's incredible, and that definitely helps scratch part of the musical itch, right? Like every mm. different artist you work with helps scratch some part of your um musical needs but not all of it (laughs) and that's (laughs) where um doing your own stuff can kind of help and i felt like i don't know like this would have been in lockdown actually um the start of that big one we had in august september last year just had a lot of spare time like i was teaching online like 20 hours a week and then a lot of spare time at home (laughs) and i was like man like if i if I really want to understand the experience that the artists have that I collaborate with, it's like mm. I really need to do it myself to kind of understand like the vulnerability they have to go through and in the co the co writing sessions and all of that stuff. It's like I I just needed more insight <laughs> into that, and I well, what better way than to do it yourself? Um, so I kind of just set myself a challenge, and I was like, I'm gonna make an ep from scratch like and nothing prior to it and i'm just gonna do the whole thing in five days so i, I made Whoa. yeah that's what it sounds rough if you ever listen to the gallery for ghost stuff it's rough <laughs> so um i was like i'm gonna write arrange like produce record mix master wow four tracks in five days so yeah i gave myself a day per song to do all the like, creative stuff, the writing, and then I gave myself two hours per song to mix and master. <laughs> That's intense. That's super cool, but, though. Yeah, if you listen to it, it, it does. It's not the best sounding thing in the world, but it, like I, I really like deadlines. Like, yeah, um, they just kind of 
help light a fire and just make sure I get things done. And um, yeah, so that was an interesting experience. And I'm hoping to do more of that stuff again, probably give myself more time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but definitely want to um, do some of my own stuff again, um, hopefully within the next few months. Yeah, it's so interesting when you put those restrictions on a project, kind of the results it comes up with. I've heard like Rick Rubin talk a bit about with artists making them go away on location for like a month and then they have that time and then it kind of just it's interesting how it affects this, the music totally totally like I'm, I'm such a big fan of restrictions like in all kind of as aspects of um that creative process like um sometimes like okay i'm, I'm gonna write a song with two chords like yeah. or um i'm going to i challenged myself the other day to write five songs in a day I got three. So, and I was like, well, three's good. Like, and that's, that's like, really good. Yeah. I mean, they weren't great songs. One of them I really liked. Two others were like trash. But I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of just like, even if the song sucks, like in the writing phase, I'm just going to finish it. And then it's out of the way it's done. Mm. And then I just know what combination of ideas doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so interesting talking to creative people about how they kind of maintain a healthy mindset around it all because it can be really full-on do you have any things in particular that you do with songwriting to keep it positive and healthy way um being aware that how your brain operates in in those environment like it can be quite hypercritical mm. um in a creative environment and if if you're if you find that you're um not loving any of the ideas you're making just being aware of how your brain might be feeling about that and um, kind of being forgiving, like, and knowing that not every song you're going to make is going to be a smash. Like it's like, if you're lucky, it's probably one out of 10, like <laughs> that, that's going to be really good, you know? Um, so I think being aware of that and especially when there's other people in the room, just um, try to take the pressure off what you're trying to achieve. Like, I mean, like it's good to have, you know, goals that you're trying to aim for, but sometimes um having a specific target in mind can really hinder your creative process how do you deal with those moments where you're working with artists and they love something but you really don't and yeah. you feel, and you feel like you know this idea isn't going to work well, yeah. what do you do yeah oh man i'm yeah i'm really terrible i was thinking about it this morning i was like man i'm just so terrible at expressing like how I feel about a, like a certain thing that the artist is pushing in this direction. And I really need to like, I'm, I'm kind of just like, you know, it's their song, you know, they're the ones who are going to have to perform this for the rest of their life. If it's released and they're playing it live, it's like, really, I'm not having to deal with any of that stuff. So I always kind of keep that in mind that it's not about me. It's about them and what they love. Um, but then, yeah, sometimes like, an artist will be absolutely in love with something and I just hate it. And then I don't feel proud about it. Like I can't, you know, that I'm sure lots of people feel that. Um, and yeah, that's tricky. <laughs> I don't quite know what to do in those yeah, circumstances. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because, I mean, your name is like on that on that product too. Like, no. It's a tricky thing to balance. Yeah, and then like they're expecting you to share it on socials and stuff and you don't quite <laughs> want to. And, yeah, I, I feel like that probably happens in every... Um, kind of um sector like every business or whatever there's probably things that happen like that as well but when, you, when you're in a creative industry and, and yeah it's part of your portfolio 
it uh it feels like it can sting but then also you never know who's gonna love that song you know yeah do you yeah. feel like your work for gallery for ghosts which is your solo project that did help give you perspective for when you're working with artists totally especially um the amount of work that goes in after the song's done like once mm. you've removed yourself as the producer or the mixer or master or whatever that is there's so much time that the artist has to put into um promotion and pr um yeah there's a lot of that um and just kind of understanding that um even even just the attachment the artist has to the songs whereas a producer you don't have to feel so attached Mm. um but for an artist that's their that's their everything you know that's how people really know them um so yeah that um definitely the vulnerability in writing like when it's in those writing stages like um like all the gallery stuff I, I just did by myself and like I was getting to some vulnerable places like kind of going through my own stuff like writing some of that stuff mm. and I was like oh man like how do some of these artists do that with another person in the room like that's yeah it is such a strangely intimate process in some ways like you might meet someone for the first time and then you'll be writing and they'll tell you about things in their life. And it's like, wow, you wouldn't have that almost in any other thing apart from like in therapy, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, a lot of the co-writing process is therapy. Um, and um, yeah, like some of the things like the artists would tell me, it's like, oh man, like even my best friends wouldn't like tell me that kind of stuff. Like, so mm-hmm. there, there might be um, something too. You don't really know this person that well, so it could be easier to open up. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's like um like Elena um says this a lot, like it's like speed dating, you know. Um mm. you just have to find something you you both kind of link on straight away and then um have to open up to each other really fast and then sometimes that's all over in like four hours. <laughs> yeah. And you might see them again, you might not, like who knows where um the professional relationship goes on from then. Do you have any techniques when you're in the studio to try and retain that raw performance? Like any things you try and do? <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't call this a technique, but it's just something I've noticed, um, especially with Elena, because she's such a, um, and I, I'm guilty for this as well, like such a demo um person. So um, I learned, I, I'm co uh, no, I'm exec producing an album for her at the moment. Cool. And um, yeah, learned the hard way that um, you should really record your demo vocals really well <laughs> because um, I know it's, it's, it's so interesting how hard it is sometimes to re-record a vocal later like it's I don't know what it is but yeah it can, it can be all kinds of things eh? like it could be the chain it could be the mic it could be the room it could be yeah most of the time I feel it's just that performance like mm. like I could if I'm re-recording a vocal usually it's sonically sounding better um, which might objectively be better, to be honest, but mm. um, just that it just doesn't feel the same. That emotion isn't there. Mm. I've even found in like other instruments, like a guitar or something, if you totally. do a take and it's like, oh, there's an interesting thing that maybe isn't quite right. And then yeah. you're like, it's really hard to recreate certain things if you're so not technically hard. amazing, you know, like. Yep, so hard. Like, yeah, yeah, actually, it's exactly the same with instruments. And um, I, I've definitely done that before as well, keeping the demo acoustic guitar, which is full of noise and fret yeah. buzz and all kinds of stuff. But it just feels good. And I and I think once you start 
building like kind of your first arrangement with your like you know rough production um your ear is kind of always working around what you have and you're making that all work and then when you try to replace it with something like you know like you're re-recording an acoustic um it's really hard just to get that to fit into the mix into the arrangement mm. like because sonically i don't know you've already worked at your arrangement and you've already tried to balance everything out and yeah i find replacing things like a different guitar or a different mic or a different amp like really hard to get that to fit <laughs> yeah when you're recording vocals are you do you do it in a booth or do you do it with like a handheld thing what what's your preferred um, setup? yeah so i knew this question was going to come up and <laughs> i'm in a bit of a weird state at the moment because i'm a big fan now where like so you know eight months ago it was just in my room at home like i had like a little studio set up in a in a in an isolated room like the flat i had just happened to have this weird man cave that was isolated <laughs> yeah the the landlord had a baby grand in there um, oh my god so, yeah I, I it was just a lucky find in browns bay and on the shore in, in in auckland um so yeah i used to just use like it was like a road um i still have it but it's terrible a road nt1 a or something oh. like that Amazing, amazing. Yeah. I, I yeah. love I, that, Mike. <laughs> I low-key feel like they're going to be crazy valuable one day. You know, like kind yeah. of how like, like SM58 is just super iconic. I mm. kind of feel like the Rode NT1A is going to have that status. Yeah. Because um, they're cheap, but they're like solid and they're reasonably yeah. flat, you know. People do uh, hate that, Mike. I've talked to several people on the podcast and they're like, I don't mind any mics, but that one mic I hate. And yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, I find that it's it's great if you're gonna like it's great for just a quick job and, and you're gonna like do some processing later and all that stuff but i find that like once you start getting into your more expensive mic territories they're just kind of less work do you think it's worth it for people having like a nice mic like making that investment from say something that's around 700 dollars to something that's three thousand? i think when you get to that professional level it's definitely worth it mm-hmm. I, I, yeah i'm such a like it's it wasn't until I came to Big Fan and I had access to all this gear that I was like, oh my God, like this actually changes everything. Mm. Like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's quicker to get things sounding really good straight away, but it doesn't, it doesn't change. It doesn't help your ideas, so to speak. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really do anything too much to your creativity, but it definitely helps your sound quality. I think if from being a big fan and from helping do the, acoustic testing and treatment here i'd say man the most important thing you should do if you're at home like recording it's like do some acoustic treatment man like yeah my god that changes everything i i would by far do that first now that i've seen it um i would put your money towards just just treating your room somehow just stopping some of those reflections and yeah man hearing these rooms empty and then bringing the treatment in even just when we brought them in and didn't put them on the walls we just brought them in and set everything on the floor like instantly huge difference the trick is to make it look stylish in the room i think it's probably quite easy to have ugly acoustic treatment totally totally yeah yeah and i think most places are definitely a function over um, (laughs) form kind of thing um yeah quite lucky here at big fan where joel's like got to tick both boxes like he yeah he's put a lot of um thought and money into um acoustic treatment here okay well should we move on to the next part of the podcast which is called nerd chat 
I'm going to ask you five quick questions, quick answers about very nerdy production things. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. First one is what's your favorite plugin instrument? Instrument. Okay. Yeah, instrument. Yeah. So I was listening to your podcast earlier. And so I, <laughs> I, I, I thought about this. Um, so my favorite plugin instrument is Ana 2 by, Ooh. I think it's called Sonic Academy, but it's under the Slate digital um, plugin bundle. Yeah. I hate subscriptions. But mm. once I used that synth, um, have you used it? Ana 2? No, I haven't. Ana oh, 2. man, it's good, man. It's really good to have um, just like, um inspiring sounds quickly um yeah running it down on two by i think it's sonic academy but it's under the slate digital um plugin bundle so cool um favorite plugin effect effect um or probably i feel like bad for saying this but it's probably rc20 like (laughs) (laughs) like it's just it's just no shame yeah it's just quick and easy and it just sounds good yeah um that probably equally with like the Valhalla vintage verb, like yeah, solid man. It's fifty dollars, and you have unlimited licenses once you pay for it. Like it's it's really good. So you've kind of already touched a bit on it, but your vocal chain. So in the box, I'm usually um I'll put an EQ on first and just do all the like low cut stuff, and if there's anything that's really poking out. I'll handle that first. Or I'll, if it's quick, like I'm just in a quick session, I need to sound good quickly. It'll be just soothe. Like you'll be, mm-hmm. um, I'll just do a quick low cut on like channel EQ on logic and then add in soothe. Um, or I'll do it later. I don't know. It just depends how I feel <laughs> what I'm hearing. <laughs> um, so yeah, usually I'd already have an LA2A on the Apollo. Yeah. Um, and then I'll probably go Shep's Omni channel. Have you used that? I like, I haven't used it, but yeah, I know of it. Oh man, it's so good. Like it's really good value for money. Mm. Um yeah, there's a video on 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 it um with Andrew explaining on his thinking around it. Like he took like on the EQ it's just like it's the um the high shell filter from a Titan 73 um and then like his his mid bands are like from a one of them's from a Poltec I think and then one of them's from a SSL, I can't remember. Oh, and then cool. the compressor section's really good cuz you can compare um like an opto to a um fet um to a vca compressor but without changing any of your um i guess your ratio and your attack and and the levels won't change mm-hmm. so you can kind of just flick through them and just hear the sonic differences that um all of them are making it's it's a really good plugin and the saturation section on it sounds really good too yeah. so i'll usually do that um so eq um soothe um probably ships omni channel if i need tuning i'll chuck something before that like in um if it's a quick thing i'll put in like um whatever tuning plugin i have it's in taris or it might mm. be a slate one not sure um then after that i really like that fresh air plugin from slate as well actually oh, yeah yeah um that's oh man once i've started using that more i'm like oh my god how my vocals just weren't cutting through prior to me using that. <laughs> like it just really helps them sit above. Yeah. Um, and then I'll, yeah, after that, it's all kind of taste for the song really. And then I'll just start bussing out to like um, a slap delay room reverb. With bussing, I've, I've always found it interesting because I've always preferred the sound of putting like reverbs and delays right on the channel to bussing. How do you feel about that? I'm, I'm not sure if I'm just in a weird minority here. 
no i'm i'm um i'm in a bit of a internal conflict with it myself actually <laughs> yeah. um so the, the main reason i was busting is because usually i was mixing things and now i i'm starting to get the privilege of sending things out to like good mixes mm. um, where i'm like oh it's kind of annoying i've got all these things on these buses now um where that would be way more useful in a mix situation but yeah i i i like it for a few reasons well maybe it's because my computer was terrible before but it would save on cpu right like i would just have um just one plugin rather than a whole bunch um but now yeah that could be because i was working on a very old computer for a long time and then now you know like the new m1s are really good um so yeah that that's starting to change actually i'm starting to put effects straight onto my channels more okay cool back back to the back to the quick five questions whoops cool. sorry um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i got sidetracked got sidetracked um what's your setup like i guess yeah yeah okay so yeah i guess prior to big fan i mean not much has changed since big fan it's just better gear now um mm -hmm. but uh, yeah i mostly work in, in the box like mm -hmm. um i barely run anything like at the big fan stuff it's usually just the preamp and sometimes the compressor but um i yeah um get to use the focals at big fan which are really nice the focal speakers yeah. um which has been a huge privilege um i just like to have some guitars accessible like i suck at keys but i you know have some keys like um yeah i try to do most of my writing on guitar but um mm -hmm. dabble on keys when i just looking for something different and lastly is there a piece of gear that you want to buy in the future oh oh, oh <laughs> yeah it's a dark yeah. rabbit hole <laughs> all the gear really um, <laughs> yeah i i I couldn't really tell you what my priority would be, but if I was for some reason a leaf big fan, the first thing I'd probably get is um, an Apollo X8. Like I've just seen how handy they are, like mm. not only in the studio, but for live and um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like really good for live because of what you can do with console. And um, Interesting. That would, yeah, if I was to leave big fan, that's the first thing I would buy or, or the X16 or something. Yeah. Um, just because of yeah how handy they could be man yeah sweet well th thank you for thank you for doing that well should we move on to the next part which is having looked through a session yeah cool okay let's do that sweet well, what's the song that you've chosen for us today so yeah i'm going to show you a song called um cherry trees uh no cherry tree by an artist called elena so mm -hmm. i'm working on her album at the moment um and this was co-written uh, co and produced by um me her and another producer called uh levi patel that's it whoa amazing thank you so much ah oh, man she's such a talent man like one of the best songwriters i've ever worked with and whoa. incredible singer like yeah great great writer man yeah sweet well should, should we have a look through or do you want to talk a bit about that writing process first 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. The writing process was pretty interesting in this one. So, um, so we did all this um, late last year. Um, we wrote it about uh, it was about July last year, and um, so me and Lena are big on um, like free writing to like start off a writing session. So, um, for those who don't know what free writing is, it's like usually you you start on some sort of um, object or phrase or whatever we we go to this word of the day thing online you can just google it just cool. word of the day and um because we're big songwriting nerds and then um we will just free write based off that so any like anything that comes to mind like in your brain for five minutes like literally everything it could be just like i suck at writing i can't think of anything whatever um yeah, yeah we just do that super so, cool yeah so we did that with me elena and levi and then i i can't remember oh it was I think the word of the day was like Rio de Janeiro or was Brazil or something like that. Mm. And then um, we were each kind of reading, like if we came up with anything interesting from our free writing. Um, and then Levi said um, he he had a pen pal in Brazil at that point. And just like the day before or something like that, um, his pen pal had sent him a picture of the cherry trees blossoming because they were blossoming over there. And, yeah, he just said that. Like he was like, "Oh yeah, so the cherry trees are blossoming in in um, Rio de Janeiro right now," and we were like, cool. "What the hell? Like, <laughs> like how do you know that? That's so weird. Like, it's such yeah. a weird thing to know. Bizarre then, connection." Yeah, yeah, so strange. And then, um, yeah, and we're like, "Oh, that's that's kind of cool." Like, um, <laughs> and as soon as he brought that up, it kind of invoked a bit of imagery and kind of an emotion for Elena, and then, um yeah we just well actually previously we did a song like the day before me and Elena did a songwriting session with another artist and our goal was just to write the most beautiful song in the world that was just kind of our goal and then we had this the very next day and we we're like oh man now we have to write an even more beautiful song <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of our our kind of loose goal yeah um, and then yeah Levi um it was our first time working with Levi. He's an incredible producer um, and, and such a gem of a person, like incredible, um, lovely dude. And he, um, he was, he was playing around with an open tuning. I can't remember what this tuning is on the guitar, but it's such a weird open tuning. So he, he's a big fan of just like playing around with the tuners until you kind of get something, which I, I, I've never really done before. Cause I hated detuning my guitar to other things. Cause it made it really annoying to, like quickly change between other songs True. but uh, i've just recently become a big um detuner like i'll i'll change tunings now a lot and um, yeah. actually tune all my guitars like a whole step lower because i love how acoustic sounds um mm. in d standard um and then yeah so elena was kind of throwing out some lyrics and i was kind of my role in that point was more just enabling the other two and kind of supporting them because they were kind of on something so like, mm. okay well um there's something here i'm just gonna kind of leave that space and then just kind of help encourage them and um if i have any mm. ideas that kind of fit then i'll bring up something and mm. yeah definitely felt like more of an enabler in that in that writing process but it's very important to do that it's it's, it's handy um to have someone who's who's doing that yeah definitely so, so levi um was the like the um main arranger for all the strings so there's real strings in here which was incredible to have um uh, and then some wow. pianos and some i was wondering that 
yeah yeah so they're all real strings like if i open it up there's like so many like <laughs> like he recorded like it was a four piece or three piece or four piece yeah two violins a cello and a viola and he got um a whole bunch of different takes to like fatten it up and then um a whole bunch of different mics as well yeah so room mics on it some spill mics all kinds of stuff that's and so then, that's um, so crazy that he was able to do that yeah yeah I, like he's he's quite into composition like his stuff's really really cool i, I highly recommend listening to it levi yeah. patel cool. um and then yeah he he's he's done this stuff before i had never done this stuff before um with the the string arrangements um and i was like okay yeah you go for it and i <laughs> and i love what he did it's kind of chaotic and it, it kind of just like um all the parts kind of flow into each other and mm. yeah just like this this kind of tension building kind of pad string arrangement um and then yeah he gave it to me and um i kind of just did whatever my ear was hearing like i've never really used real strings before so um just just trusting what my ear was telling me really through all of that um so yeah and then i think like our first original demo of this was literally just guitar bass and vocals and a whole bunch of bvs and that was yeah, we wrote that and did all that maybe in like six hours. And from this point to the original demo, it's not that much different, really. We we kind of knew what we wanted right from the start, which is rare. Like, that doesn't always happen. But the song just kind of, it just kind of told us what it wanted, <laughs> if that makes sense. And it's always nice when a song does that. It's 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 hard work when you don't quite know, um, arrangement-wise, what's supposed to be happening. Yeah, that's so cool. It's it's nice when it all just falls together and it's just obvious. It's it's not like, oh, but we could try the chorus with drums and this part without it. Yeah. 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 And and I I really don't think we ever discussed drums. Like I think we all knew it was just not gonna have drums. Like I don't mm. I don't remember like, any discussion at all we had about drums. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just a nice acoustic song. Yeah. Um Yeah, and just I just wanted to um, well, I think we all wanted to just um, not overcook it, um, which is so easy to do, like in a production. And then this one is just like we just want the vocals to be nice and clear, and and everything just supporting that really. Yeah. Well, should we have a listen through maybe some of the elements? Yeah. So I guess the main thing, um, like chord chordal wise, is just the acoustic guitar, like yeah. Um, and it's just um, Levi was borrowing i don't know what guitar it is but it sounds really good but he was borrowing um someone's guitar and he was like i'm literally borrowing the best sounding guitar and i was mm -hmm. i don't know what it is i have to ask him um so i'll just play that and it's just the left and right um, and the um the um the tuning of the guitar just allows him he's literally just fretting one note just the bass note and everything else is open the whole time um like for me it, it, it reminds me of like the 90s like it reminds me not exactly the same but it reminds me of iris by the google dolls for some reason you know that song like i don't know that song but it does like evoke oh, a certain oh, kind of thing for me yeah if you listen to it you'll be like oh that song <laughs> yeah. um, but just kind of this like wide um like gentle but powerful like um yeah approach to playing the guitar and then 
I had a whole bunch of processing on it and it was just coming out really harsh. So I just started taking things off it um, and just kind of being a bit more gentle with it. And it, and it sounded a lot better. So yeah. just a bit of EQ and compression and then a bit of soothe, then a bit of fresh air, like so gentle on fresh air. Like, yeah. And then a bit of room reverb. And then all of that, I think, I don't know what Simon used if he used, so Simon Gooding's mixing the song while well, he's mixed the song for us. And, um, yeah, I don't know if he used the raw ones that I gave him or if he used that one. I, I gave him both stems. I see. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, just like, yeah, left and right guitar, hard panned. I, I like my guitars really wide and out of the way of the vocals. Um, what have I got in the bass? Super simple. I don't think I did much to it at all. Yeah. Literally didn't. <laughs> just just EQ, yeah. Yeah, and this is what um Levi had sent me. He recorded this. So nothing too complicated, just playing the root notes. And then I added this um, parallel distortion. And it's so gentle, like and they're yeah. like it's barely audible. And what have you got on that? Um what have I got on that? Um what did I do? I might have bounced this out, gained it up. Yeah, I I think I might have bounced this previously, and there might have been something else on there. Like usually, I'm using the Devil Lock um, from Sound Toys. I love that. What else we got? We got some electric guitar. Just yeah, left and right. Yeah, not too sure what um, Levi's got on that, but it sounds like there's some sort of trick. Yeah. Yeah. Just really supporting the chords there. Um I know we've got some piano stuff. Um so this is a hybrid of um he's got a grand piano at his house. I think like yeah, it, it got given to him like it was a friends or something and cool. And like, you're like, you want it? And like, yeah, I'll take it. Um what is it? <laughs> it's a Beckstein. So just single. And then We've also, yeah, we've got the big line doing it. Yeah, just to, there to support the chords. And so if I play it with the electric guitar, you might hear a bit of that. Yeah, super simple. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on simple, like, um, if I can. Yeah. Uh, although often I'll I'll still overcook things, <laughs> but I try like I I try really hard to like keep things simple if I can. But yeah, yeah it's, it's such a skill not adding too much and getting that perfect balance of like simple. It's the it's the worst, and sometimes I won't add enough. Like sometimes it's just like yeah, and it's the other I'm, side. Yeah, I'm just like no, nah, that's it, that's it, and then I'll go back like. Then I'll I'll add stuff and then look back later and be like, how do I ever think that was all I needed? Like, <laughs> um, and then yeah, you'll see on the lead vocals that uh, the regions are called demo lead. <laughs> so this is what I was talking about before. Um, yeah, I think these are on a fifth uh, a seven B actually S and seven B. Yeah, just running into my focus right, but for some reason, I was just getting so much like electrical buzz um through my interface and i don't know what it was i, I have a feeling it might have been my mac mini or something this time of year that 
Cherry trees blossom And maybe we're in our final form too so yeah, you can you can hear kind of weird artifacts happening in there and a few things, but uh, it feels good in the mix. Yeah, so. as, as long as it sounds good in the song, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Simon, when when I gave it to him and he, like, I gave it to him raw, and then um he did all his stuff. I was like, how did you get it to sound like that? It sounds way better than what I had it. Did he give so, you the tricks? Nah, nah. But one day, <laughs> he's, a, he's in New York at the moment, but I'm definitely yeah. gonna ask him at some point. I'm like, how the hell did you get it to sound like that? What else have I got in here on the vocals? I got a few, um, like um, fake, like doubles, like um, just like octave. Yeah. Big on that kind of stuff. So just like little altar boy, and then um, I'll do like a left and right of like a plus twelve um vocal and then i'll just change the formant slightly on each and then it kind of sounds just like slightly different pan them hard left and right and i don't know i could i just been playing around with that ever since i did my gallery for ghost stuff i'm like oh that's just i'm just gonna do this now yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then bvs what have we got we got um oh yeah i really like recording vocals out in the hallway in big fan um and it'll either be in the hallway or um or the bathroom because there's a bathroom yeah. right next to one of the studios so i'll just run a long cable um with a mic and then do a whole bunch of bathroom things and i, and I love <laughs> doing it as like a double it's crazy it's cool yeah and it's it's like it's like having a you know, like you have like a, a like a room for your reverb or chamber or something, but it's but I'm just I've just got Elena standing out there with a the mic, just like far back. Yeah, I was gonna uh, ask, was she quite far away from the mic? Yeah, yeah, super far back, and then just using it as a vocal double. Yeah, I've, I've done that a few times here now, and I've even done it with a guitar amp, and it sounds kind of cool too. Um, yeah, yeah, and you just layer it in with um, some drier BVs and stuff, and. Mm. yeah it, it's quite cool it really thickens it up um so yeah big fan of using the hallway like i don't always get to do it but if i'm here late by myself then it's like you know no one's using the hallway or bathroom, yeah, so yeah. I, can, I can indulge <laughs> um and then yeah just more bvs i think these bvs probably all um from the demo as well <laughs> yeah well, amazing yeah. well thank you so much for showing us that song it was really cool to have a look at it Ah, no worries, man. Yeah, it should be out soon. So, Well, hopefully when this is out, it should be up. Yeah, it's out now. Go stream it. Yeah, go stream it. <laughs> Cherry Tree by Elena. <laughs> Sick. Well, should we move on to the last part of the podcast, which is yeah. called One Second Songs? One Second Songs. Oh, yeah, okay. Let's do that. What, what, what's, what's that? What's involved with it? So in this part, I'm going to play you five of your own songs that you've produced oh, or taken part of, but you're only going to hear one second and the last one is going to be in reverse and you have to tell me what the song is. Oh my God, I'm going to be terrible. Okay, yeah, <laughs> this is exciting, man. Okay, track number one. Oh, um, that's one of my gallery songs. That's um, I Was In A Nightmare. I Was In A Nightmare, that is correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One cool. from one. We've had a, We've had a range of... Um, scores. I think we've had a couple five out of fives. 
couple yeah. fours, couple of threes. Yeah, I I'll can try- imagine for people like Simon, it'd be really hard because he has so much, right? Yeah, true. There, there's a lot. I mean, and sometimes I make it easier or harder, like unintentionally. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay, number two. Ah, yep, that's Falling Autumn by Lena. Correct. Yeah. Number yeah. three. Oh, wait, wait. Can I? Oh, do I get it again or not? I think no. I think we'll okay. we'll we'll allow it. We'll wait, allow. Wait, I'll take a guess first. I'll take a guess first. No, yeah, I'm just gonna go for it. I think is it alignments by Paige? Oh, that's correct. Well done. Yeah. Number four. That's um. Oh my god, what's it called? I know what it is. It's Reed. It um the artist is Reed. It's oh, what's it called? Oh no, I'm blanking. I know it's by Reed. Uh, Would you like to hear it again? Uh, never be. It's never be. Never be. Never be. Oh, gotcha. You got oh, there. Right. Well done. Yeah, okay, it. for a perfect five from five score, here's your last one in reverse. <laughs> Wait, so people have gotten this one right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so hard. Um. It's it's oh, yeah. It's my. different parts of the song you choose as well can make it harder or easier. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, there's two things that I'm thinking it could be. Ah, uh, I think it's it's. Oh my god. Okay. Is it never known? Look, is it look? <laughs> I never know. No, that's incorrect. Oh, uh, what was it? Go what guess. Was it? it was Girls That Whisper by Zana. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. Oh, my God. That was my early days. <laughs> <laughs> I got you with the tricky last one. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. I'm I'm, I'm impressed you even found those. <laughs> I, I used my internet sleuthing skills. Oh, that's so fun. That's such a good <laughs> game. I want to play that with other people. That's such a good game. Uh, I'm, I'm have, you had, have you had someone do it to you? No, I haven't. I haven't produced enough music, I reckon, to make it difficult. Uh, I think I would know all of my songs pretty well. Or oh, maybe I'll do one for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll put it backwards and I'll pick Yeah, them. I've never had that turn back on me. <laughs> That's cool. fun. That's such a fun game. Yeah, well, last couple of questions. Just like any artists and producers in New Zealand you'd like to shout out that you reckon doing great stuff at the moment? Um... Yeah, I guess um so artists, yeah, like big like well, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the people I really work with. So like yeah. Elena, Paige, um Avia, who's kind of on the come up, um Sky Hina from Pop Stars. I don't know if you watch Pop Stars. No. Um Sky Hina is incredible. Um hopefully do some stuff like have some stuff come up with her soon. Cool. And then um I don't know. I'm just, I, I've got a lot of love for everyone in the music industry, to be honest, like all the artists. So even the ones I don't work with, big fan. <laughs> was, um, is, is there somehow a connection between you saying big fan and why it was named big fan? Uh, no, there <laughs> really isn't. And I feel like it's tainted the phrase big fan. Like, I can't ever say it without thinking about big fan. Like, not that it's a bad thing, but uh, yeah, big fan was totally all Joel's thing. Contractually, big now you have to say big fan about okay, a lot of things. Right. <laughs> yeah, every time I say it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> god damn it. Oh, sweet. Well, thank you so much for coming on today to chat about your production and your career. It's been super cool to have you on. Oh, thank you, Ryan. No, it, was, it was fun. That was a lot of fun. If you'd like to find out more about the podcast, you can find us on Instagram under the production line. I'd like to have a big thank you to today's guest for joining us and taking the time out. 
I'd also like to thank APRA for supporting today's podcast, as well as Isaac Rajan for the artwork and the many artists whose songs were played in this episode. My name is Tampi K, and I'm a producer, songwriter, and musician. You can find all of my music on streaming services, as well as today's guests. Thanks for listening.